Hello all, my name is Brittany and this is the Exposing Grief Podcast where I continue to remove that stigma of grief and expose it for what it truly is, which is that natural and healthy way of living and loving. I'll also be adding a little bit of a twist. So this podcast will expose the work behind honoring your grief journey, showing you the real hardships and the unbelievable beauty that grief can bring. I'm thrilled to have you here. So let's get to ending the grief stigma and beginning to build hope. Well, welcome back. Another week, another episode. I am excited to introduce uh, this week's guest to you all. Her name is Nancy Leffler. She is a grief journey guide. Um, She and I connected through a podcast community, but then we also realized that we're both in the state of Minnesota um, and we're also part of the Minnesota Death Collaborative um, organization here. So very, very fun to be connected to another grief junkie. So I will turn it over to you, Nancy. Go ahead and share your story a little bit about your own experience with grief. And then we can uh, hit on some some other things that we've, we've previously talked about. But go ahead and share your yeah. story with our listeners. Thank you, Brittany. Uh, it's really great to be here. Um, I've learned that uh, talking about my story is my calling. And it is, I'll talk a little bit more about how, how that happened later. Yeah. Um, my story of grief really started um, coming up on 22 years now. My then 17-year-old daughter, Leah, was in a car accident on her way to school. And she hit a tree. Mm. Uh, it ha- happened to be the only tree in the middle of a cornfield. Um, and she was in the hospital for five days with massive brain injuries. And... Um, after she had uh, no um, brain um, activity for a few days, we were tasked with the horrible uh, decision of removing her from life support. And, um, you know, that's not a decision that I hope anybody ever has to make. Mm-hmm. However, here we were faced with this. Right. And during that five days, um, our her friends came to the hospital, our friends came to the hospital, um, really willing her back into our lives. And when we discovered that that wasn't going to happen, we began letting our friends and her friends, if they wanted to, to go in and say goodbye. And mm. that was one of the first times that we realized that we don't do death well <laughs> in, in, in our <laughs> society because I still have friends of hers thanking us for um, allowing them to do that because mm-hmm. it really made an impact on them then and even all these years later. So sure. on the day that we had to make that decision to remove her from life support, I thought my life was over. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how it was going to go on. And even though we, <laughs> Leah was uh, um, the these little details always come 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 in, and it's like, oh yeah, there's that. When she was 16, she was adamant about be- being a um, organ donor. She mm. had the organ donor on her on her um, license, and of course, because she was under 18, we could have said no. However, we chose to honor her decision. So she was, even though we removed life support, they still needed to maintain her organs until they were yeah. able to. They don't say harvest anymore. I forgot what they say. It's a much it's a much nicer word. Yeah. <laughs> but a little before less they aggressive. were able, yeah, before that they were able to um, remove her organs for donation, um, she had to be kept alive, so to speak. So that that was kind of a a weird sensation for me. 
So we went home from the hospital. And I, like I said, I had no idea how I was going to go on. I thought my life was over. Uh, I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to take a shower. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I was just mm-hmm. so devastated. And then two weeks after she died, I received a message that said, losing Leah is too high a price to pay to not live the life that I was meant to live. Hmm. And that was, that was, uh, my intuition was in its fledgling state at that point. So I recognized it as intuition. So I paid attention to it, but I had no idea. Yeah, that's such a powerful message. Can you say that one more time for our listeners? Because it's so, so powerful. Can you say that one more time? Yeah. Losing Leah is too high a price to pay to not live the life that I was meant to live. Mm. Yeah. And what do you, yeah. how do you digest that? <laughs> yeah. In yeah. general, but so soon after your daughter's passing, right? How, did, exactly. how do you digest that? Exactly. I, I didn't for a while. And, and, and yet uh, the other message that came through that same day was that everything I had done up until that point has prepared me for what was coming next. Mm. So um, one of the things I did was I, I, I knew that, oh, you know, all these feelings that were coming at me, they were overwhelming. I didn't know what to do with them. I couldn't concentrate. You know, all the, I, I was, I wanted to do it alone. I didn't want to, I didn't mm-hmm. want any help. I wanted to mm-hmm. isolate. That's one of the myths of grief, do it alone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so that, but that message kept coming back. You know, it really, I really think that that message saved my life and, and put me on a, on a track to, to where I am today. But I turned to a, a practice uh, that was already a part of my life at the time. And I know we talked about this a little bit pre- yeah. uh, in a uh, previous discussion, but it's a practice called Samyama. And it, it teaches us how to get better at feeling rather than just feeling better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so with my Samyama practitioner, she she guided me to be able to feel whatever feeling I was feeling in, in that moment, one feeling at a time, not the onslaught of all the stuff, all, all the feelings. Yeah. She guided me how to feel them in my heart one at a time and then allow my heart, which is an alchemical vessel, to hold that feeling and then eventually begin to shift the feeling. Mm. And as I said, I had been using this practice in my life as a resource for daily living to be present, to learn how to hold other difficult feelings or experience. Samyama is really a way to experience anything in the present moment. So Mm. we can feel joy in the present moment. We can feel uh, pain, the the uncomfortable feelings that came, that come with grief. Mm -hmm. And so I began to, unravel the stories that my head was telling me you know the if only I had been a better mother I could have kept her safe Mm. or what if I hadn't gone to work that day Mm. we could have done something else we could have gone shopping and she would still be here all those my mind would try to slice and dice the story to try to have a different outcome yeah and that wasn't going to happen so Samyama helped me to unravel those stories and get to the feelings underneath them. And that's mm. as the feelings began to be shifted and transmuted. That's when I began to see that it, it was going to be possible to at least live a some kind of a life. I had no idea what kind of a life. Right. Um, so, yeah. So it sounds like that was your 
your first kind of glimpse into answering kind of this question or making sense of this, this statement, this such powerful statement. Yes. Um, this was kind of your first glimpse into that. And I think it's so important yes. too, of, you know, I talk, we've talked about this previously, but I talked to my clients a lot about this too, of we, sometimes we just have to sit with the emotion that grief brings. And there's so yes. much discomfort in that. I think there's so much discomfort in general in feeling the negative emotions, mm-hmm. but particularly when it comes to grief, mm-hmm. we just, we want a quick fix, right? Fix, 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 fix. Right. But there's a lot of healing that can happen and just kind of leaning in mm-hmm. these uncomfortable emotions. So I, I love that you found a practice that you happen to already be engaging in right. that really allowed you to to do that and discover that what that work really looks like. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it it was a a gift to me when I first discovered it. And then when I turned to it in my grief, it was, it was, um, I don't know that I could have done anything else. And maybe that's how, what I was being prepared to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You've talked about in previous conversations, you talked about grief really being a transformation, right? There's a lot of transformative things that can happen. Did this practice kind of contribute to that transforming experience within your grief or how did, did those play into each other? Talk to me a little bit about your transformation with grief. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Samyama allowed me to get to the root of a lot of those feelings and uh, a lot, a lot of the triggers and some of them were rooted in childhood. You know, Mm. some of them, um, things that were rooted in childhood came out in my grief. Things like um, well, some of the um, myths, for instance, you know, yeah. time heals all wounds. And it's not the time, it's what you're doing with the time. Right. So as, as I was able to be with my feelings in Samyama, I was able to get to the root of, of a lot of my childhood wounds. Mm. And that's where the transformation came. Mm. You know, the, the transformation came as I, my grief, my initial, I, I call it an, an initiation because it took me down to, you know, it, it's completely tore apart my life. My life was completely ripped apart and deconstructed. And I had the opportunity to put it back together in a way that made sense to me in a way that honored my daughter if I wanted to. And, and I did because of that, that message. And so as I began to uh, meet my grief with Samyama, I began to receive what came in as gifts. And I thought, how, how can I be, how can there be gifts in grieving? Because, and that's another distinction too. Grieving is an active process. You know, it's, yeah. it's there is, grief but grieving is an active process so as I began to receive these gifts I thought I my daughter died why should I deserve to receive gifts Mm. but they kept coming and then I realized that that the gifts were the blessings and grace that I needed to continue to say yes to what I was doing so So that that right there was a huge transformation absolutely yeah well and I love that you're getting you you talk about these experiences of getting little messages or signs or finding things that are helping you make sense and putting it all back together right because that's a lot of the work I do with my clients and that's a strong Mm -hmm. belief that I hold that we there may be situations where we will never make sense like there's nothing somebody can say that will go 
oh, okay, that makes sense. But being able to find meaning behind the loss, around the loss, right? Which is exactly what you're speaking to. So I love that you're saying you, some of that came through these messages, signs, whatever. When you say gifts, Mm -hmm. can you talk to me about what some of those gifts are? I'm assuming they're not actual like tangible gifts and maybe some of them. Yeah. Um, some of, one of them was, one of them was a lilac in in my mailbox. And, um, I'm sure there was a reason, a reason that that it got there, but there were no lilacs in my, in the neighborhood I lived in at the time. And they didn't grow very well there in, in, in in Maryland. And lilacs are one of my favorite flowers, but Mm. this lilac was in my mailbox, like close to mother's day. And, I went looking in the neighborhood to figure out where it came from, even though I knew <laughs> that there were none in the neighborhood. So yeah. there must have been some and some angel put it there or mm. Leah got it oh, there. Um, yeah. I love um, it. Yeah, I used to get songs from Leah that were, um, I knew they were specifically for me with a specific message. And they were songs that some of them I had never heard before. Mm. Um so there were the songs, there was that, there was sometimes a, the the light was, um, was on in the car. It was a, She had borrowed my car on, on the day of the accident when she went to school. So I was driving her car okay. and the light was on, the the um, dome light. And I, I knew I turned it off. Like every, every day I specifically know that I turned it off and it was on huh. um, several times. So those were a few of them. I, I ran into her favorite teacher one day when I was getting gas in my car and I hadn't seen her for two years. And she told me that she completely changed the priorities in her life because of knowing Leah. Wow. So those were some of them, you know, and it was like, well, I would hear stories from Leah's friends about things that I didn't know about how she was always there to listen to them. Um, So things like that. I love that. Yeah. And not only gifts um, to kind of help, make sense or make meaning or kind of help you put it back together, but also gifts of being able to stay connected. Yes. Right. And feel her presence. I mean, those are just beautiful examples of like, wow, you are still showing up in my life. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. And and what, what great examples of how that would help transform, right. It's Mm -hmm. transformative. Right. Yeah. To transform. Yeah. And yeah. And And so when I saw how powerful Samyama was at helping me to meet grief and really heal on a level that I didn't even know was possible. Yeah. I be- I became certified as a Samyama practitioner in 2009. And I wasn't quite ready to start using it for, for grief, so I was I was still working my corporate job and I was seeing clients part-time after work and and I wasn't advertising it for grief. However, almost all my clients came with grief issues. So again, mm-hmm. I was being prepared for my mm-hmm. future work and and I, I, other messages. My a part of the initiation too was really clarifying my intuition so that I really uh, understand it, recognize it, and know what it feels like in my body because that's primarily how I work now with my clients. Um, you know, a client asked me recently what well, how I came to the acceptance piece of it, and um, I thought, well, I really I can't accept that Leah has died, and my my head can't accept that right for me it feels like the acceptance piece of it is acceptance that I'm on the right path Mm. acceptance that um I am um doing what I was meant 
to do. I continue yeah. to say yes to where life is calling me. And I thought that was a great question to be asked because, um, you know, we talk about the stages of, of grief, which I'm sure you understand this too, that they're not linear. You don't finish up this one and tie it in a nice bow and then move on right. to the next one. They, they, you're all over the place with them. And so that's, um, I, I've often said that my head can't accept the fact that Leah has died, but my heart can hold it and understand it. Well, and I love that you provide such a great reframe because I think it does. I mean, the, yes, the stages aren't linear. And, you know, I even like to remove the stages from the grief process altogether because it does. Mm-hmm. It instills this unrealistic expectation that we yeah. finish one, we tie it in a nice bow, like right. you're saying, you can move on, right? Um, but also this idea of acceptance for some people can leave them feeling like, oh, okay, well, that means I have to get to a point where I'm okay with what happened. Yes. And I move on in air quotes. Right. right? So I appreciate right. you provide that reframe of no, no, yeah. I will never accept and say, yeah, the fact that Leah is gone is okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. I would imagine if you could trade in anything to have mm-hmm. her back with you, you'd make it happen. So I appreciate the reframe of, but I'm accepting that my heart feels like we're it's in the direction it's going in the direction that it needs to. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing with my life, what I'm meant to be doing. I love, love, love that reframe. So thank you for, mm-hmm. for communicating that. And listeners, I hope, I hope you s- kind of snatch that and put that in your back pocket. Cause I think that's so good. Listen to it again, because sometimes yes. it takes more than once to yes, play to it back. It. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. There was, oh, I, so we didn't, we didn't talk about this before. So I apologize for putting you a little bit on the spot, but for the listeners who are kind of curious, you talk a lot about this, um, Samyama practice. Mm -hmm. Can you provide any little nugget, like even just a little exercise that they might be able to do really quickly to kind of get an idea of what that would feel like even doing that kind of practice? Is there any little nugget you can give them? Yes. Yeah, so it's, it's it's a present moment awareness practice that it starts with learning how to bring awareness into our heart. So the very, very first thing that uh, I teach my clients is how to come into our heart. So the first thing you can do is start by becoming aware of your breathing. Yeah. Breathing deep into your abdomen. Yes. Okay. Listeners, I'm doing this. I'm yeah. doing this with you. So here we go. Let's become aware of our breathing. Become aware of your breathing as you breathe in and out, uh, slow down your inhales and exhales. And just allow yourself to arrive fully here in this moment. If your head is busy, you can notice your thoughts. There's nothing to do with them in this moment. You can go back to them later. In this moment, I invite you to become aware of your breathing, breathing deep into your abdomen. And in your next breath, bring your awareness into your heart center, the center of your physical heart. Just allow your awareness to rest in your heart. And sometimes you find yourself going back and forth between your head and your heart, and that's okay. With Samyama, we never try to get rid of our thoughts because we want our heads to be in service to our hearts and our hearts to be in service to our heads. So when you your head gets busy, notice your thoughts. Return to your heart in your next breath. And you can just begin doing this several times a day learning how to come into your hearts. And and then notice, after you do it for a while, you can notice the difference when you're in your heart and when you're in your head. I love that. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. Listeners, sit in that mm-hmm. breaths. I always talk to clients about um, when we're doing breathing exercises, um, I always 
focus breath, right. Kind of talk to them about proper breathing, right. Mm-hmm. So making sure when we're breathing, we're filling that diaphragm and that yes. ribs are expanding, right. Cause mm-hmm. when we breathe higher in our chest, we tend to be more anxious. So being able right. to back that down. So making sure listeners right. replay this, right. Play it back, mm-hmm. direct that breath down to the diaphragm. Yeah. 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 I love that. And you know, I love your, um, permission, not that anybody ever needs it, but permission mm-hmm. to, if you go back to head, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Just bring it back down to the heart. Right. And, um, kind of painting, kind of normalizing the tendency to bounce back and forth between the two. Right. So people yeah. don't put this expectation on themselves of like, yeah. I should be getting this right, right away. Right. Yeah. It's a practice. It's a practice, not a perfect. And we always start where we are. So then after we learn how to come into our hearts, then we see what's here. What's yeah. uh, that's the question I'll ask is what do you notice in your heart? What's mm-hmm. here right now? And a lot of people feel resistance. I don't want to do this. And that's okay. We start with the resistance. So what is the story you tell yourself about resistance and what's the feeling that's underneath? Yeah. So we always start with what's here. There's no right or wrong way to do it. And we, what's the story you tell yourself about resistance, bring that into your hearts and let's see what feeling is underneath there. Maybe there's sometimes this, this goes to inner child stuff, something that happened when you were a child. And then if, if that happens, then we start doing, so it, it, we follow the breadcrumbs of wherever is arising in each moment. And that's what I love about it because it's always different. Yeah. And I love that too, because it, we talk about everyone's grief journey and experience is different, right? And mm-hmm. we should never expect ourselves to fit a mold right. of somebody right. else's grief experience, right? So this practice also allows them to create mm-hmm. their own mold, right? right? To create their own path of this is what my grief journey looks like. And this is what's coming yes. up in this moment. So I'm going to listen to that and I'm going to follow it. Yes. Yes. Because, and that's how I followed my way back to some of my um, childhood wounds. Mm. Wow. Thank you for, yeah. I, like I said, I just kind of put you on the spot, but I appreciate <laughs> yeah. you providing right. that little nugget. So our listeners can kind of yeah. get an idea of what that feels like. <clears throat> Is there anything else you, if if the listeners take nothing away from this episode, but they took this one thing, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know in terms of mm-hmm. the grieving experience with it being transformative, anything that you want them to know and kind of hold on to? It, that, that it is possible to find meaning, purpose, and joy again after a devastating loss. And it doesn't have to look like anything that someone else tells you it should look like. You don't have to get over it in... in you don't have to get over it at all because I'll, I'll never get over the fact that my daughter is not here. Yeah, I have the tools to um, meet my grief now. So it is possible to have both. Mm-hmm. It's possible to have joy and pain. Mm-hmm. And it's possible to cultivate the skills and the resources to be able to do that. Yeah, thank you. And And let me ask you, I mean, I know this, the answer, but I want to ask you, um, because I think it's a common misconception of if we do find a way to find purpose, meaning, joy, all of this Mm -hmm. that you're saying, does that mean we still get to grieve? Does that mean we're still grieving? We are still grieving. Yes. Grieving is, I can be right back, um, especially as the the fall comes up, I can be right back in in those feelings because my daughter isn't here. And, and, And so, yes, I still cry. Certainly not as much as I used to, but I still cry. I still miss her terribly. And I have my resources to meet my grief. If it means that I 
take a day, uh, an afternoon off or just take some, a couple hours to go outside and do what, what I um, tell my clients to do, then I do it. You know, it's, it's yeah. really important to uh, take care of myself and to meet my own grief. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. So listeners keep in mind wherever you are in your grief journey, if you're, you know, just embarking on this journey or you're trying to find how you can meet your grief or anything like that. Once you do find that purpose and meaning and hope and joy and all of that, know that that grief is still going to be there. And that's okay Mm -hmm. that you have the tools to navigate that. Um, But that's part of the healthy grieving process. Like you're saying, we're going to have both. We're going to have joy and sadness and that's okay. Right. Right. Yeah. And and not to be afraid to find help. There's people that help in so many different ways. And, and there's someone that, that will resonate with you. Yes, absolutely. Yes, asking for help is huge. And that can be hard in general, yes. but particularly when we're walking that grief yeah. journey. So I appreciate you, mm-hmm. again, listeners, not that you need it, but I appreciate that you give them the permission to ask for that help and reach out. Yeah. Um, for the listeners who are interested, is it okay if I put a link to the practice that you would hit on, the Samyama practice that you would hit on yeah, just absolutely. for them to learn more information yeah, and absolutely. connect with you if they want to? Perfect. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. listeners, that will be in the show notes. I will also put her contact information. And then, of course, my contact information is down there as well. Nancy, I can't thank you enough for your time. It was such a great time chatting with you and learning about your transformative experience. And you had so much great insight to share um, on the grieving process. So I thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. We will chat soon. Okay. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Exposing Grief. I want you to know that you are playing an important part in removing that stigma of grief and in turn creating a world where expression of love for our living and deceased loved ones is acceptable and welcomed. For that, I am forever grateful to you. If you resonated with this episode today, please share it with someone you believe would benefit or I welcome any and all reviews so it's easier for others who need this hope in their life to find me. Here's to honoring your grief journey and empowering others to do the same. Until next time.